We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed. Blender HD. You're gonna follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, May 1st. You know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. I'm joined by James McCool, the co-author, the theory of daily fantasy sports, as well as the theory of DFS for advanced players with his custom Excel tools that I do show on this program uh, quite often enough. So go pick those up at theoryofdfs.com. Hit that thumbs up button in the morning, right? Wake us up. Wake us up by slamming, smashing, and hitting the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. Good morning, everyone in the chat. And good morning, James. Apparently, it's your birthday today. It is my birthday. Yeah, I'm um, 31 today. So I... Uh... I don't know. It's not. It's not like a super exciting birthday. I mean, like after you turn twenty five, all the like exciting birthdays are gone. I guess. Um, twenty five. Like, What's the difference between your twenty third birthday and twenty fourth birthday? It is the last birthday where something changes in the way that you can act in society and that you can then rent a car. Oh yeah, you're right. Twenty five is the, the. I mean, you can rent the car under twenty five, but you need like additional documentation. Right. Or, so twenty five is like the last birthday where there's like a societal change, I guess. No, no. There have a thirty five. What happens at thirty five? Now you could, yeah, you could run for president. Oh no. Okay, that's right. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I because right, you currently at thirty one years old cannot run for the president of the United States. That is true. So okay, that is that is something to look forward to. I didn't I didn't think about that. And just um, put that on your bucket list for the next four years because you're not going to be able to do it. You're, you're, or or not the other way. You 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 whatever you were planning on this. I know James, you were planning on running in the next election, but can't. That's uh, well. I mean, now maybe that should be the goal. Let's try to run for president when I'm 35, since that's the next societal change in uh, in birthday. Yeah. So how about, how about 62? Is that is that when you can get? Uh, is that Social Security? Social Security or 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 your 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 Roth IRA? You could get mm-hmm. money out of it without a penalty or something. Okay. There's yeah, a, there's others. There's others. There's, there's. I guess there are scales. Yeah, you're right. I, I guess. Okay. So. 50, 50 is the double ed, AARP. You can't be a member of AARP until you're 50. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess I guess what I should have said is that 25 is the last, like, clustered one, right? Because, like, then you get something at 35 and 50 and 62, but, like, those are spread out. It's it's so it's so much farther away than, uh, than the other ones. So, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I'm 31 today. Um, I don't think that we have too many things planned. Maybe we'll go to Top Golf. I like going to Top Golf, but like I'm not, I'm not really a presents guy. You know, I'm not really a, not really a material gifts kind of guy. So, told Margaret the the most important thing that somebody can give me is just like 
not to rely on me for anything. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest gift. No, no, I, 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 on my on my birthday, my birthday was what a, a little over a month ago, March 29th. Yep. Like I don't, you don't need to get me anything. Like we don't need to sell it. We don't need to. We don't even need to acknowledge it exists. But if you'd like to get me a present, how about just leave me alone? <laughs> <laughs> like if I if just am I able to just have that day? Just yeah. Just, Whatever I do, I do. Just as long as I'm left alone, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, it's just about like it's it's funny. P people like Jordan and I. Some people like want. I don't know. Some guys want like a grill or anything. Anything that I want, I would have bought myself already. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I am too, right? Like I I don't really like gifts. Don't really mean much to me in the material sense because I just get whatever I want. It doesn't really matter. Um, but people like Jordan and I were just like, yeah, if we can have an entire day where we can do literally anything that we want to do that does not involve the uh, thoughts and opinions of other people there, that's, that's the day. That's, that's the most day. of my days anyway. So what a lot you, of times, so, that's exactly what I want anyway, even though it's my birthday. It's like, you know, right. all the other days, I, I just want one of those days again. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. My, my wife, you. I don't know, James, if, if, you, if, uh, if, if, your wife told you, like my, she had my wife make you cookies that aren't going to be there in time. Uh, well, she didn't tell me what they were, but now I'm pretty excited for it. Okay, because yeah. you know my wife is is now like does designer cookies and stuff. Yeah, and she's in cahoots with Margaret. I, I know, right. like, and yeah, I don't they're... understand I, the, the cook the, the cookies are are cards. Like I'm plates. pretty. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. Now I now I understand why she was making all the threes <laughs> as a card because it, basically she made threes and aces. I hope I'm not ruining it. But does, what 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 did you want for your birthday? Nothing. So like I can't ruin anything by like no, oh no, no. these cookies are gonna come. I don't even know how good they're gonna taste, but whatever. But they uh, they're, they're gonna. But there were all aces and threes, and I'm like, why aces? I didn't I didn't even ask my wife like it's why the aces. Oh, it's 31, 31, and then. But, but the first thing my wife asks is, like, does James play poker or something? I go, I don't think so. I like poker. I don't get to play it enough. I don't have anybody to play poker with down here. I don't know where the poker rooms are. Yeah, well, there are underground ones, definitely. I know there are. Like, we, funny enough, like, when we, when we first moved here and we were getting our internet set up, our internet guy was talking about all the different underground games. And he, like, gave me his number. But at the time, I had just spent $26,000 to move across the country, and I didn't really have the funds to go play underground poker games. So now maybe I should find his number again. You I can go up to Metropolis, him. I think, in Kentucky. Uh, then you go to go to Tunica. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. You can go there. I, yeah, just, I, didn't, I, just, I didn't know, I didn't know you, 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 you played much poker, so I'm like, what, what are the playing cards for? Yeah, I mean, I can play. I can play. I, I played blackjack for a long time. Like that for like three years, that was like my income. It's playing blackjack. So aces um, and threes are not are that those. I mean, that, they don't. That, that doesn't help you in blackjack. Though. I mean, the threes definitely. The three for sure does not help you. Right. <laughs> but the aces are pretty. Right, so it's like happy happy birthday, James. Here's fourteen or four. <laughs> hey hey happy happy birthday, James. Here's an offsuit two seven. <laughs> right. <laughs> Offsuit two seven here. I don't know five. when you're getting. I don't know when you're getting them. I don't know. If, I, I don't know. No, I mean it was a bad idea to begin with. It's you know what I I when I was growing up I would have a birthday week. So this is my birthday week. Birthday week? How 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 rich were you? Birthday oh no, we were week. very poor. That's why it was a birthday week, so that I wouldn't have to get any presents. It was just a week about me. Okay, what what would you do throughout the entire week? Um. So like my my favorite dinner, like the treat dinner that I would get were the the frozen shrimps, like the frozen coconut shrimp. And okay. uh, I would have that like two times that week. And maybe we would go out to eat at uh, Village Inn. That was like another special thing that we would do. So it's like your birthday week is like like Hanukkah. Uh, I guess. Yeah, like it was supposed to, your birthday was only supposed to last for one day and it lasted for eight. <laughs> and, there, and there was enough excitement to last for a full right. week. Yeah, basically, I, I grew up like a poor Jewish child. Just like, just get get uh, felt a fish three times a week and uh, and go What's out. Get felt a fish. Day. Get that in some horseradish. That, ain't that bad? That sounds terrible, George. <laughs> well, that's what I on Passover. But on when when you when you go into a Passover seder, and mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta sit through like three hours of like 
I, I, we heard this last year. Yeah, I get it. We we don't need the history lesson again. Can we just eat? Can we yeah. not? Can we not for three hours eat in the span of like like? Well, you could have a little piece. You could have a little piece of this 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 leafy little piece of lettuce. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to say a prayer, and then here's there's you go. There now you, you have nothing else to eat for another twenty minutes, and now we lift up your glass and then put it down. It's like why can't we just drink from it? What 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 are we doing here? This is this is getting stupid. That eventually, but 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 eventually, once you get older, once once your relatives get older, that then finally they've had enough of of the Passover Seder, where it's like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna 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 like we'll do all of this all at once, right? It's like well, you know all these little steps. We're gonna skip over the part. We're gonna skip over the part where we were in the desert for forty years. We're just gonna go like previously on the last <laughs> episode of the Seder, right? It's like okay, we've already gotten to that point, and then you can just go through all of it, and the next thing you know. You're having a nice like turkey dinner in like 27 minutes. And it's like, yeah, okay, isn't like- that like a thing though in Jewish culture where like you uh, practi- practicing Jewish people uh end up kind of cutting some corners as things get older? That I've I've heard that that is a general thing. Like when well, you're the, a kid I, mean, I think it's and- I think it's more the fact that that Judaism in 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 America or like like I mean you find it here in the United States, but it's a less most most Jewish people aren't religious. No, I know. It's, like, I it's, know. Al- it's almost like a cultural thing. It's like, yeah. yeah, I really don't care that much about the religion, but like, oy vey, you know, like, like, <laughs> like, like, that's that, like we've gotten the Yiddish part of it. We've gotten like kind of like the like all all, all the all the cultural aspects of. But it's like, oh, you know, oh, you're gonna go to the temple on high holy days? It's like, no, no. why? <laughs> well, you, ever, then... you ever go to Rosh Hashanah service? It's four and a half hours long. Why? Why are we doing this? <laughs> right? That's funny. I, I mean, like, and and it's kind of the same in other religions too, right? Like, as you as you grow up, you maintain like the the beliefs or whatever you, you retain the you, ma- you maintain the good traditions yeah you hold on to you hold on to the traditions that you actually care about and like improve your life but then there are a whole bunch of other traditions where you're like yeah those exist but that's for other people those that's not for that's not for me i'm not that kind of christian i'm not that kind of jew i'm uh i'm kind of more of a relaxed relaxed christian i, I celebrate christmas and sometimes i go to i go to church on sunday when it when it benefits me but not not most of the time. Like like my wife gets a Christmas tree. Like now we have an artificial one or whatever. Yeah. Not because she's not because she's Christian, not because of anything. And I, I have no objection. Oh, she just likes dexor- decorating stuff. <laughs> right? So it's not it has nothing to do it has nothing to do with Christianity of oh, this is the socially acceptable time for us for we can put a tree, even if it's a fake one, in our living room. Mm-hmm. This is the social, like, if this was July, it would be like, why you have a tree in your living room? But then, no, this is the socially acceptable time that I could put a tree in my, and then spend the next like, six days decorating it and putting ornaments and making something and like, okay, it's there. And then leaving it there and then, <laughs> then admiring it for three weeks and then eventually taking it down sometime in mid-February. Yep. Right? Because it's just like, oh, January 1st? No, okay, I'm too lazy for that. Yeah, I'm I'm not. You don't take it down until it feels socially unacceptable to have it. Right. There you go. And socially unacceptable to have a tree in your house is a very wide range. And it depends on where you live too, right? Like some people will have their Christmas tree down. Like it if you're in a neighborhood that is very clean cut and like has a very strict HOA, right? Everybody's taking down their Christmas decorations on on like January 2nd. Then you feel a little bit more societal pressure to take down your tree and have it out of there the first week of January. But then there are there are some people who have that tree up until like veterans. There, there are some people that still have the tree up currently from two thousand six. Yeah, they just, just never took still, it down. Just never still. took it down. Robin asked me if I have a favorite Yiddish word. I'm not even sure what Yiddish words I know. I just I I could just repeat stuff that my grandmother would say. What's your favorite thing that your grandmother would say? A kanena hara, kanena hara, poo poo poo. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, it's something like uh, it means uh, like uh, I don't even know. Like uh, for cry, like for crying out loud, or like some 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 okay. type of thing of like. 
Like I'm blessed. Hope I hope not. Type it like, oh, you did saw oh Kaneda Hara poo poo poo. <laughs> That's what you would say. And obviously, you get all the stuff with the SCH and the schmucks and the sh- yeah. and schmiggles and the, all that type of stuff. Yeah. <sighs> is this is this what everyone wanted to tune into? Fifteen minutes in. <laughs> Fifteen minutes talking about birthdays and Jewish tradition. Right. We're, we're really breaking down the game theory and and everything. The game theory of birthdays. Um, yeah, I I had. Uh... But what's the, the game? No, the, to me, the game. To me, I play. I play. I play birthdays. I play all holidays or or at gift giving holidays. I I play. I, I think I play optimal strat. Do you, what? What's your optimal strategy? Okay, optimal strat. Okay, let's talk about optimal strategy for like like Christmases and like birthdays mm-hmm. and everything like that. Okay, first off, uh, the. The, the, the same this is this i'm gonna do it if you're a part of a couple okay? okay optimal strategy for anyone anyone any gift giving holiday where where you're gonna be giving a gift right is to just give your wife a budget and then don't ask questions yep just say yep. i don't care put my name on it i don't i don't even care if you put my name on it i don't even care if you say I'm giving you this gift and Jordan over here, he's a schmuck and he doesn't, he didn't, I don't even care. Right. Cause I don't even, it I, I, doesn't matter to me, but I just, don't let me think. I don't want to think about it at all. Just here. Yeah. Like, like how, how much, how much, how much do you like this relative? Right. How much do you like this person? It's like, oh yeah, well, but okay. $75. Get There you go. You got $75. Go spend it, spend it on yourself and tell me it was a birthday present. I don't care. Well, I want to see a bank statement that has less than $75 on it. And then I don't want to hear about someone else's birthday anymore. It's like that, that is what I'm paying for. I'm paying for not acknowledging the other person's birthday ever again. Just here's the money, go away. <laughs> That's the well, optimal strategy. Now, when getting gifts, uh-huh. when people ask you, said, I know it's tacky, but it's like either give me money or just don't even bother. That is pretty tacky. I, I don't think that but, I I mean, but that, give me like, 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 fine, give me an Amazon gift card. I'm not a gift. I'm, give me all the gift cards you want. I can spend it like money. You like, like there's nothing that there's nothing you're gonna get me that I can't uh, get myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it it almost feels like a waste. I'd rather you just not like personally. I'd rather just like, literally don't get me anything. I feel more pressure you getting me something, and it's like why did you waste that money? Yeah, I feel a lot of pressure when people ask me what I want for my birthday or what I want. I want to be left birthday. alone. There you go. It's very cheap. That's, I mean, that's, that's the first thing, right? But like, I feel a lot of pressure to be like, oh yeah, well, you know, maybe I want like a League of Legends hoodie or something, you know, but, right, but so like, you can't even come up with it, right? It's like, no, I can't, I can't, like, I cannot on the spot. I, I had to think about it um, yesterday and I just, I couldn't come up with anything great. Like I, I couldn't come up with anything I really want. We're going to go to the mall today after the show. And like, I'll pick something out. I'll go splurge a little bit. But like, for the most part, it's very hard for me to to tell people what I want. I think that you're wrong about the optimal strategy on, uh, on yeah, what but... you get though. I think you're wrong because but how like, can how can anything be more optimal than actual money? So I think that optimal. I think that actual money is likely the um, the high, obviously the highest ROI standpoint. The highest EV. It's, it's it's literally. It's not even expected value. It's the highest actual value. No, 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 no. Because what's more valuable than money? There's life utils that you have to put into this. Like what? What? Like what? You're talking about stuff that you can you can't pay for. Yeah, like emotional stance and mental stance and stuff you can't. Well, should you be getting that as it is already? No, well, but there are certain things, right? Like if you can get, like instead of money. If, if you were into like jewelry or something like I am, like I, I really like rings. I really like bracelets. Stuff buy, like so buy the rings that you want to buy. Well, no, no, no. But there are certain things that have sentimental value that matter. Like if I could have like my grandpa's ring or something like that, because my grandpa died of cancer a couple of years ago and I don't have any, I don't have anything to remember him by really. Like he wasn't really around all that much. Um, if I could have like a ring from him, I think that that's a fantastic gift, right? Like that's, that's a really cool thing that I can't just go out and buy myself that that doesn't work. Why so don't you already have his ring? Why don't I already have it? Yeah. 
because it has not been gifted to me. <laughs> That's why it's a cool <laughs> gift, right? Like, because it needs... It's, oh, so it, exists, it does exist, but someone else has it. Right. So, like, okay. that kind of thing, I think that that's... that's There's a certain level of life utils and, and value added from sentimental, like, something, right? Like, it increases the value of something if you can't have it. It's kind of the same thing as the reason why certain, like, sports cards or memorabilia is more valuable, because there's less of it and it means more to have it, I guess. Like if Michael Jordan were to ever have signed, I don't know, a, a basketball and like there's only one basketball that he signed with his signature or whatever and it's verifiable, that's worth quite a bit more than a basketball that is signed by not Michael Jordan or something. Or have us have a signed by me, but I write it as Michael Jordan. Yeah, see, that's wrong. Like that doesn't work. Or like I yeah, that's forging and it doesn't work like it. It's just, it's not the same. So I think there is something to say about sentimental value when it comes to gifts. What if I signed the basketball Jordan and then you you just assume that it's Michael Jordan? I'm not sure that I would it's assume. My first name. I, I think that there would have to be an assumption that it is not Michael Jordan before it is Michael Jordan. Okay, well, my gift that's going to you is you're not going to like. Oh, is it a, is it a basketball? I didn't, I didn't even know it was Jordan. <laughs> I said, I said, I, I, I think plenty of us have sent you gifts for your birthday. They're called technical support emails. Can you respond to them? I have responded to every single technical support email in my email. By the and, way, and, nor and normally, and James, normally it's you pasting the columns in the wrong spot. Uh, no, actually, I had a very funny one recently. A really okay, funny well, one. Well, the funny is that funny, good, funny, bad. Funny, bad, really, really bad. And like, oh, if the person was promoting that, the fact that. Go get our Excel tools, theoryofdfs.com. This is how bad you could screw them up. Yeah, so this, no, this one is really, really funny. Um, if okay. a person is watching this, then I want to I wanna say I'm not laughing at you, even though I'm kind of laughing at you. It was just, it was so funny. I'm going to laugh at wrong. him. I'm going to laugh. You, you will laugh at him. Adam. I will. Yeah, it was really silly. So uh, he sent me an email, a support email that said, hey, uh, when I try to trim this under a certain threshold, everything just disappears. And I said, okay, yeah, so uh, go ahead and send me the file. And then after it, it was like one day later, he sent me the file. And then I opened up the file and it's just the file that you download from the course, right? Like it didn't have any of his stuff loaded into it. It was just the file that I myself created and uploaded to the course, right? All right. So then I respond after about a day, right? This email string goes on for six days. I respond after about a day and I say, hey, I need you to send me one that has your stuff uploaded to it so that I can see what the problem is so I can replicate it, right? A day right. later. You basically want all the information when you get to the point where when I press this button, everything disappears. It's like get to the point right before that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Send right. me the file that is causing this problem right. with your data uploaded to it. A day later, we're five days into this email thread thread all right he sends me the file with it and i go ahead and he says that he wants to trim everything under 150 percent ownership and he sends me the file and i click it at 150 percent ownership and everything disappears i'm like oh, okay yeah that's that's happening and then i because reset all, it is it because all the lineups are yeah it's because everything was over 150 percent right <laughs> and i send it back to him and i'm like you know that every lineup in this portfolio is over 150%, right? And he right. never responded back to me. And I'm like, right, because you tell you're telling it, get rid of all the lineups that are that are over 150% owned. It's like, well, all the lineups yeah. are, so they're all gone. Right? Yeah, so, the, so they're gone. Like, gone, yeah, this is not a bug. This is a feature. You removed all of your lineups because you think all of them are bad. And like, he never got back to me. And I'm like, you you couldn't possibly have not seen this right like you're you're trolling me you have to be trolling me but that's no no because uh, james people people don't listen that blew my mind that one specifically i wanted to bring up yeah but you're, you're talking about it i don't know why it blows your mind james aren't aren't i supposed to be able to download the custom Excel tools as part of the theory DFS for advanced players. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't I just be able to just push buttons and just, oh, well, those are the lineups. And like, I don't understand the concepts of why I'm trimming this or what I'm looking at. It's just that 
Like, oh, someone told me 150. So I'm just going to put 150 in that spot and, and press a button. Yeah. All the lineups are gone. Like what? Like that you're, you're, you're talking about what 95% of the audience does. Yeah. That was brutal. It was brutal. Um, but it, it, it is what it is. Like most of the time, I have actually gotten some pretty cool uh, requests and stuff like that for different features that could be added here and there. One of the features that, that people ask about is if they can trim based on floor and ceiling instead of just median. And I'm like, that does nothing for you. Like, the, the, I, mean, I don't think it matters that much. Well, whatever projection source that you pulled from, it does not matter what projection source you pulled from. The floor and the ceiling are related completely correlated to the median like the the derivative of a floor and a ceiling is based on the median so if you trim or extend this into optimization if you optimize based on ceiling you're it's the same thing as optimizing on median like those should not change by a significant amount a significant enough amount that it would make a difference in the way that you were trimming or optimizing like you'll get basically the same things. Right. Because some distributions are slightly tilted in one way or the other. A little bit. But yeah. Not dramatically enough that the, the, the lineups that you'd be playing wouldn't really change much. No. The, the thing, like, if you were to do that for something like NBA, maybe that matters a little bit more. A little bit. Because the distribution... Well, baseball really matters almost zero. Yeah, yeah. Baseball, it's basically... Bimodal, by a bimodal distribution, I don't, what do I care? Right. NHL, basically nothing. Right. Uh, MMA, basically nothing. Bimodal yeah. distributions again, like... Well, truthfully, some... I mean, in bimodal stuff, the median, I mean, sometimes the, the median... Doesn't I mean, matter. It doesn't, but I mean, it doesn't matter the same way that the ceiling and the floor, like the 15th percentile and the 85th percentile. Right. Right. You're, the, the, the error bars on those sides... Of like once you start adding in correlation and leverage means that like like did this is James, this is the thing that people don't seem to get about baseball, okay? About MLB DFS compared to NBA DFS. MLB DFS, like I I, I someone asked me, it's like I I, I they they've been running sims, right? So they're you they're using the theory of DFS custom Excel tools to eliminate further lineups like after doing Sims or something, something like that. Uh, and they find that lineups that are that are positive EV, right? Yeah. That their Sims say are, are profitable. Some of the lineups are 30, 40 points, median under an optimal lineup. Yeah. And is that is that is that too much? And I go, no, just that there's less of them. Right? Like, you can't think in terms, in baseball, you could play a lineup that is 40 points lower than, than up. how much projection can you make up? Well, I mean, correlation in baseball is 0.3, typically. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Per batter. And if you have five of them in your lineup, right, you're going to get like a 30% boost by playing all five in your lineup. So that means, like, dude, you're, Picture your projection of all five players in your lineup. Each of them have 10 points, so that's 50 points. Well, now your projection, technically, from a variance standpoint, is what? 65 to 70 now? Yep. Right? So you've made up 15 to 20 points just by having five players from the same team in your lineup. Now, let's just say that that team, that five-man stack, is only going to be... 3% owned when it should be 6% owned. Right. Which means now you're getting leverage. So how much quote, if you with this theoretical projection, you may be adding another 15 points because you're adding another, like maybe three points in projection for all three, all five batters because of how low owned they are in relation to their projection. You've just, you've, you've made up, you've essentially, you've made up like 25, 30 points in projection to the optimal by doing that. Right now, the further and further you go down, the less and less lineups that you, that could be possible. Right? Oh, I'm giving up 74 points in projection. That's that's probably a negative EV line. Probably. Right? There's no, there's no. I don't know how much correlation you can't. You're not going to get enough. 
you're not that lineup isn't going to be so low owned compared to the projection that you're going to make up that many points. So it just comes to a matter of where do the plus EV lineups lie in a range, mm-hmm. right? They don't lie up uh, at the top or the bottom, right? The problem with the bottom is easy. It's too low projected. The ones at the top are a little harder to differentiate, but it's because they're too high owned. Right. So it's like, what's in the middle? And then the, the, the response a lot of times, James, when I, when I tell people this, and I show people this, and I go, go run your Sims, right? On let's let's start generating three thousand lineups. Said, so I guarantee I, I'm pretty sure that I can I can give you probably for a, let's just say like a twelve game MLB slate. I can probably give you at sets of three thousand. I can probably give you you give me enough time throughout the I'll, I'll the thirty or forty sets of those. Yeah, right? probably. Yeah. 30 or 40 sets, sets of 3,000. We're out of the 3,000. If you ran it through your Sims, that 75% of those lineups would be, would come up as profitable. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's not even like that ignores like the very key point that this is an event oriented sport where two swings of the bat make up that 30 points. Right. That's it. That like that's literally it. There is nothing one one in, one five run inning from a team, right? Yeah, there's nothing in NBA that can make up that much in that little time. And that that's why NBA and some of the other uh more linear sports, like you could say that Call of Duty is similar in that. Like I'm trying to think about of esports that that have this, but uh, the variance in the way that teams are favored and stuff like that makes it a little bit more difficult. But it, it, if you're looking at just like the linear projection, NBA, there's nothing that two shots is going to make up a difference of 30 points in an optimal. Like that's why we can do that with MLB. And that's why people... That's that, why in NBA, but James, that's why in NBA, it's like, oh, can I play lineups that are like 30 points off optimal? No. Like, well, I mean, they would have to be ridiculously low. I mean, you you remember the three levers. We talk about it in theory of DFS. You can get the courses. I mean, all of this is talked about. We're you could do that for my birthday. birthday. That it's it's my birthday. What I think that you should do for my birthday is go buy it, go buy a copy of both books. Right. There you go. Right. That'd be the best birthday present for James. Just yeah. buy the courses. But we talk about the levers, right? Projection, correlation, and leverage. Mm-hmm. Right. Every lineup you make should have the proper balance of the three levers for whatever contest that you're in. The lower and lower that your projection goes, the more you have to make up with correlation and leverage. Now, that gets to a certain point where your projection is so low, even when you take the projection and leverage lever up, I'm playing 0.5% on this guy and 0.1% on that guy. Do I have enough leverage? Probably, probably not. Maybe for if, if the contest had five million entries, right? Maybe, maybe we're starting to get on the cusp of like, yeah, can you win a million dollars? You know, like that type of level. But once you once you get once you get down to a certain point in projection, correlation leverage is not going to make up for it. But once you get to the high point of projection, you go, well, I got all this projection, yeah, but you got, you got no correlation and leverage in your lineup at all. It's like so, what ends up happening? You're you're playing a lineup that is 700% owned and your, your, your exact lineup is duplicated 12 times in the contest. Like right. you shouldn't be playing that lineup either. So it's the balance of both. Now, once you get, this is the, this is the hardest part. It's not the hardest part, but what I've found fielding questions over the, the month of April is heuristically people vastly 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 overthink MLB DFS yeah I mean like the like what I'm saying like and you have to listen on a 12 game slate let's just say a normal size MLB slate I can personally build 60,000 plus EV lineups 
Now, they're going to be a different. Um, some will be higher. Some will be lower. But they'll all be profitable if we played this out for infinity. I can build 60,000. Well, which, which uh, I'm only playing 20. Which 20 should I play? You could technically, if you want, any 20 you choose will be profitable. Yeah, any of them. Just go for any it. Any of them. We'll be pro like some some will have high variance, some will have low variance, some will have more min cash equity, some will have more but like the distribution of the outcomes may be slightly different. But from that point, the sixty thousand lineups that you could choose from, like as long what's the what's the what what are the ways that what are the what is the reason that the 60,000 lineups I can make are profitable. It's primarily because 25% of the lineups in the contest are heavily negative EV. Oh, and it's more than that. It's more right, than and that. it's typically more. Typically, there are 30, 33% of lineups, yeah. depending on the field size and you know, the, the stakes level. That's the main reason. It's just basically these 60,000 lineups have correlation, have some leverage, and have some projection. And right. you're, you're, you're fit. A th- 30% of the lineups in your contest are missing one of those, le- like, are either way too high projected, so they're way too high owned. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Or they're way too low projected, low owned, but they have no correlation. So it's like they're giving up 20 points in theoretical projection and they're not gaining like, dude. You could play the same own lineup just with five guys from the same team instead of just five random people. It's like I'm beating those lineups also. So it's like yeah. how many of those lineups that aren't bad can you make, right? Well, you can make 60,000 of them. And it's like, well, I'm only playing 20. I'm only playing three. It's like you can randomly choose all – like you could literally randomly choose all, any, all the lineups from that point, right? And you go, well, how do I make the 60 – and then people will send me – it's like, well, I uh, – Take a look. Take a look at the lineups that I made. And I go, yeah, all your lineups are good. And I would look at them from a slate that I played. And I go, looks like all your lineups are good. It's like, it's like, yeah, but I could, I if you were to choose five out of these, it's like whatever way you want. Yeah, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I, I have, I have. Can, can, and or so, no, so, someone asked. Someone sent me their their like they played 150 and said that would be there be a way for me to make my lineups even better. I go. Not that it would be worth more than about half a second of your time, no. Right. Said, so, yeah. Can they be better? Yes. I would suggest that you that you uh, I would say get a degree from MIT. Like, take that time, spend the four years in college, right? Get your get your PhD, right? Learn learn how to develop a sophisticated algorithm with uh, like like dude, you could do this more precisely. It's like, but how much is that worth? Mm-hmm. to you how much time is that worth to you and in order to do that you need a skill set that i currently don't have and you probably don't have so if you if you want to you could pursue that but there's no further there's no further what more blunt things can i do it's like no the more blunt things you add to your process the less and less accurate it gets right you go well now how do i choose between like dude it's not worth it like it's literally not worth it the differences are not worth it yeah. I can tell you for a fact, 100%, that the highest EV lineups, the highest expected value lineups in large field contests of any slate is a stack against an 80% owned pitcher. Mm-hmm. Those are the highest EV lineups. The, by I mean, by far. By far, by far. 
So like Spencer Strider is a million percent on. He's 85% on. And they're facing the Marlins or whatever. If you want to play the highest EV 150 lineups, you'd play 150 Marlins stacks. Okay? Now understand that to realize your EV, you're either going to come in like first place or you're going to come in last place. Like none of those lineups are going to be like, well, I have min cash. So I'm like, no, it's going to be like one or the other. So if you're going to put in $2,250 to max center the $15 contest, you're going to lose all your money probably 200 or 300 times mm-hmm. before you win once. So like if you have that $6 million bankroll and you want to play 150 of those lineups, go for it. Have fun, right? Those are the highest EV lineups. The question is, how many of those do you really want to play from a risk management perspective? You can. If you have a $6 billion bank, go. Go find the highest EV lineups and play them, right? But if you don't, like, then then what? It, once, you, once, you, once you concede the fact that you're not going to play the highest EV lineups, what does it matter if uh, this lineup's EV is $1.24 and this lineup's EV is $1.26? So, you know, you know, how 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 uh, you realize the extra two cents? You'll notice that in your roto tracker about seventy years from now, <laughs> right? Like like to put these points. Like I'm highlighting these things in order to make it very clear to so you listen and understand why that a season of baseball is like grains in the sand. Like I don't know how I James, you you hear me exaggerate all the time i need to exaggerate just so i mean i got i got i got like a dm like the like just the other day of like uh with prize picks and 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 uh and underdog stuff and whatever it's like mm-hmm. yeah i've been doing exactly what you're doing for three weeks and it, it hasn't been going very well i said yeah it's been past three weeks have been kind of break even yeah but it's like just the just the fact that you said i've been doing your stuff for three weeks i go okay the, come back to me in three years yeah Right, it was like like three weeks. It's like like the fact that you said three weeks means that that you still don't listen. That you still don't like like dude. Someone could play DFS for ten years as the greatest DFS player ever and 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 be negative. Yep, that's within one standard deviation. Okay, so just under, like you have to grasp what variance is. Variance is absurdly huge. And this, the sample sizes that we are dealing with are so small. Well, I've played every slate every day for three years. I said, yes, that's a very small sample size. You go, but I, but I, that, that's like 5,000 slates. I go, yes, that is a very small sample size. I wouldn't even consider it a small sample size. I will consider it a very small sample size. Come back to me when you've played 2 million contests. They go, well, even if I live 50 lifetimes i wouldn't be able to play that go yes but that would that would be a reasonable reasonable that wouldn't even be a large sample size that would be a reasonable sample size once you take into account the variance of large field gpps in in dfs like that would be that wouldn't even be a large sample size that wouldn't even be a large one that would still be tons of variance that you could play 50 lifetimes of every single dfs slate that has ever existed for large field GPPs and still be not even within one standard deviation of your true ROI. Like just please grasp, grasp that one season of football, 17, 18 weeks is like, a, like in the span of a universe, like a blink. Go, well, what, what did I do during that blink? It's like, like, dude, anyone that won over that 18-week period, 90-plus percent of it, probably lucky. I said in a coaching strategy the other day, like, somebody was trying to compare their NFL results and be like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't think that I'm very good at NFL. I had a, I had a down season. The last two seasons haven't been great. I'm like, bro, eight, eight, 18 weeks, it's two weeks of MLB. Like you, you're not going to judge how good you are at baseball over the last two weeks. You're not going to judge it. Imagine playing NFL for ten years, having 180 slates. That's not even a full MLB season. Like that, that's barely enough to even judge if you have been able to do well in a baseball season. Um, 
and you're not going to be able to tell from your auto tracker. So uh, people just don't arrest You're not even going to be able to tell from even top 1% because no, even in GPP, because it's just 40 slates. I mean, like that's that the best, the best way to judge in the very small sample sizes is literally looking at in uh, actual lineups. Mm -hmm. Let, I mean, basically, am I building bad? Like I'm getting back to this point of, all you have to do is not build the bad lineups and you're already beating a quarter of the field. Yep. If you want to say a third, sometimes it's a third. Sometimes it's only 15%, but once, once more than the people that are much more than the rake are bad lineups, you're essentially playing for free. Yep. Right. I mean, essentially you're not paying the rake. So as long as your average amongst everyone else, you're just splitting the other people's money for the most mm -hmm. part. Right. So, like, what are the bad lineups? Bad lineups are too high owned or too low projected. Said, so, are you playing lineups that are too high owned or too low projected? No. Then you're probably you're probably fine. You're probably fine, right? Well, I'm not playing. Like, are, do your lineups look to some extent like some of the sharpest players' lineups? Not an exposure, because that's a risk management feature of a portfolio. If you look and you go, well, I played a whole bunch of uh, Tom Brady stacks and I played a bunch of, it's like, go to 20 people that you, that you respect and go, did they play a bunch of Brady? Take a look at their Brady lineups. Did their Brady lineups kind of look like your Brady lineups? It's like, oh, these Brady lineups didn't have the 40% on running back in it. And you go, well, my running backs, I didn't have a 40. I, then you probably, you're doing fine. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I lost 90% that week, so... That's not, that's, not, that's not how you judge, yeah. right? That's a product of variance. So when I say that, what, study other players' lineups, that's what I mean. Not, did they play a lot of the, oh, they played 80% of this guy, and I only played 10% of that guy. It's like, that's not that's not what you're looking for. You look, look at the lineups that have that player in it, right? Look at the combinations and look at the lineups that you played. Because remember, especially in MLB, you can make seven billion lineups. I mean, like, like, dude, like, like a lot of these lineups, the difference in EV is is is, is barely anything. So it's mm -hmm. like, well, I I played a ton of Yankee stacks, right? And this sharp player barely played any Yankee stacks. So I did something wrong. I said, no, take a look at their Yankee stacks. Do they do the Yankee stack lineups look like your lineups? The answer is yes. Then they just chose to play less of the Yankee stacks. That doesn't mean that that your lineups are bad. And vice versa. Now, if they you look at their Yankee stacks and it's like, well, in their Yankee stacks, they didn't play the two chalk pitchers, right? And their total ownership was 120. My Yankee stacks, I played the two chalk pitchers. My total ownership was 212. You probably screwed up, right? Didn't matter if the Yankees went off or the chalk pitchers went off or just like, dude, the Yankees were obviously more owned than you thought or they're over-owned and... The reason why you look at sharp players' lineups and you're like, oh, all of their, this person's Yankee stacks don't have one of the chalk pitchers in it. This person's Yankee stacks don't have one of the chalk pitchers in it. This one, like, and you start to get like, oh, I think my Yankee stacks were too high owned for what they were because so many other sharp people, even if they only played three out of 150 as Yankee stacks, take a look at their Yankee stack lineups and go, what are they, what is the projection? What is the ownership? And you go, oh, I played lineups that were way lower projected than their their Yankee stack lineups, or I played lineups that were way higher owned than their Yankee stack lineups, and go, oh, I think I screwed up these lineups maybe a little bit, right? That to me, that's that's more of how you judge, right? So when I say studying other people's lineups, it's not about exposures. Now, a byproduct of playing that projection versus ownership game is that you will be more likely to get more exposure to players that are theoretically underowned and you're more likely to get less exposure to players that are theoretically underowned. This guy, oh, he's 70% owned and he shouldn't be. You're probably not going to play as as many of those lineups. You could if you want, but you're probably not going to play as many of those. So if you want to judge someone's 150, if they are explo playing exploitatively, you could say who was over on like, oh, I had a lot of this guy because I thought he was under owned. And you see, you know, six sharp players. They're also 
were heavily exposed to that player, you'd be like, and they play exploitatively. You go, okay, I made the right assessment on that player. I think lineup assessments are worth more than player assessments because you we play with lineups, not players. So when you're studying other people's lineups, this is what you should be looking at and not thinking in terms of, well, I lost uh, 80% last, or like the past four weeks, I'm minus 17% or something like, like these are so such small sample sizes that you'd learn more by just making sure you're not building bad lineups. Yep. And as long as the first step is if you're not building bad lineups, all you're doing is now competing with the rest of us. That's table stakes, right? You're competing now. Now these 20 or 30% of lineups are seeding all this equity to the field, right? To the sharper players that are building good lineups. And now we're fighting over that. And who gets more of that, right? The better players will get more of that, but you'll still get some. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're doing that, like if you just got to that point, which is not difficult to get to, especially in MLB, and you never want to do anything ever again, that's perfectly fine, right? Right, Jed? Like at that point, it's just, okay, 180 slates this year. Let me play every slate. I'm going to play 20 lineups. I'm going to pick randomly pick the 20 out of the 60,000 that I can make and just like close my eyes and let's see what the results are after 180 slates. I mean, like that's, that's MLB DFS. Yeah. For the most part. Yep. I mean, we, we've talked about that. We, we talked about it before the season started that MLB DFS, like you could literally build lineups through heuristics. You don't even need, you, you don't even need projection sets to build good lineups in MLB. Well, Maybe. I, I think I, hold on. I want to rephrase that before you continue. Okay. You don't need projections in order to not build bad lineups. I was I was going to say that's a better that, way of putting because I was going to say that you can use projections to build great lineups, but you can still build good, not great lineups without projections or anything like that. Like just using heuristics. I think that I it's, think it's fair to say not it's more, more precise and less precise. I don't using terms like good and great. I'm not a big fan of. Well, so I was just I, the, the, point, James, the point that you're making is like we we had an episode what right before the season on one of the, these Mondays. It's probably yeah tagged. We're like if you didn't have anything, like no tools, no nothing, no projections, no nothing. Like if you, it's like if you simply played the highest price, the two highest price pitchers. Right, mm-hmm. and stacked five guys from a team, no matter what team it is, but most probably a team that has a high implied team total, mm-hmm. right? And he just did that. You'd probably be profitable at MLB DFS. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for as far as GPPs, obviously we we don't it, not talking about double ups or anything like that. Yeah, we don't. But we purely, don't purely in the in the in reasonably sized to large size GPPs that. Like, I don't know any of these pitchers. I've never heard. I've never, I don't even know how baseball is played. But most likely, the more expensive players, pitchers, are going to be the ones that have a higher raw point projection. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you have some slates where the $7,600 pitcher technically projects for higher than the 10K pitcher. But as a general heuristic, if you just like, I'm playing the, I'm playing the two 10K pitchers that are on the slate. And then I'm looking at the, the totals of all the teams. I'm like, oh, this team has uh, about a 4, 4.7 or 5 total. And I could fit all these five guys in in these spots. I'm going to play that. And then the three one officers, whatever's left. Mm-hmm. Like whatever. Like literally whatever's left. Like if you just, if you literally just did that, you are no longer building a bad line. Right. Now it's not, pre- now we're present with projections. You can be much more precise. Right. The lineup that you just built with those two token name pictures, you have no projections, no ownership, no nothing. You'd build and go, uh, yeah, from a, from a heuristic standpoint. This is not a, this is not one of the bad 30% of the lineups in the contest. But out of the 70% of lineups that are left, it's probably also towards the bottom of that. Yeah. Right. Because your lineup is like, oh, wow, I'm paying, I'm paying 10, I'm paying 2K too much for this pitcher. Right. This stack, like, oh, this would be, this would be so much better. Oh, the $2,700 shortstop projects decently. So I should have that play. Like, then you, once you have projections and you have something like lineup HQ. And you're building lineups, then you then you could build. It's like, oh, I could build, I could change one of those pitchers and build that five man stack with five different players from that team and gain seven points in median projection while giving up almost no ownership. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, well, 
that's that's the point of the projection, right? Like, that's the point of the projections. That's the point of doing all that. But even if you don't do that, you're facing 25%, 30%, 20%, whatever, lineups that it's a 2 one 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 with a 2% on pitcher and and overpaying for someone. Or like like these lineups that they're sacrificing so much for, for nothing that like that lineup that you made heuristically with no projections and no ownership, as long it's as you stick, it's, it's probably be, it's really better. It's better yeah. than that. So if you're already at that, that point, it's like, well, I already built all my lineups and how do I, how do I select a better 20? Like, do you know how fruitless that pursuit is in a bl- using blunt methodologies? It's like, well, well, this one has this guy in it. That one has this catcher. It's like, dude, you're just rearranging deck chairs. Like it doesn't, <laughs> you know, unless, unless you, unless you have a, an advanced, some type of simulation methodology where you can now take those lineups and compare them to a simulated set of lineups that you'd be competing against and then still determine that one lineup is significantly more profitable than another lineup. Then you could do it. Cause let me tell you, I've, I know people that run those types of Sims and a lot of times the difference, most times the difference of, should I play this lineup or this lineup is like a fraction of a penny. Right. Right. You see it as, well, I'm playing this two V two. And like, it looks, the lineup looks almost wholly different of like, well, this is a twin stack and that's a Yankee stack. And this has this picture. And it's like, nope, theoretically the, the EV is like, like, like a fraction of a penny apart. Said, well, what happens if we simulated it? Like, how about this lineup? It's like, yeah, about a fraction of a penny apart. It's like, how about this lineup? About a fraction of a penny. Like, so it's like, yeah, where where does all the money come from? The money comes from all the bad lineups. Yeah. So it, it, the, the profitability of your or the lineups are more likely to come by the more bad lineups there are than by you having like, well, do I play this first baseman in my stack or do I leave the one off and play Vlad and play the outfield? Do I play George Springer or Vlad Guerrero as my expensive blue Jay in my stack? Like, dude, you're overthinking this. Yeah. Like you do either, either. Like you're not, you're not, you're, you're really truly not increasing anything. Right. That, that is worth spending that much time on. Right. And even if you had the ability to simulate it, you'd see, that's like, wow, I spent four years learning how to build this program to tell me that that I would see the differences between these two lineups in my ROI in about 70 lifetimes, right? And, in and 70 more, lifetimes, I would be able to buy another six-pack. On a on more weekend. blunt scale, you can use the tools in the theory of DFS for advanced players and simulate the lineups against each other. Right, you could do that also. And find well, out and, how I mean, it's a Monte Carlo sim. It's not a contest sim. No, it's but but I mean, still, I said it in a more blunt plane. You can you can simulate these lineups against each other, and you can see lineup A that is completely different from lineup B only beats lineup B three percent of the time. Just play one; it's gonna be okay. Or play both. Play both. Or both. Right? They both can be fine. That's the other thing. That that is that's a. It's a serious pet peeve of mine that I've developed over the last like six months or so. Um, is people saying, well, which one of these lineups should I play? And like in my early days of content creation, I'd like go through the reasons why one is different from the other. And, you know, maybe this one is better for this one. But now I'm just like, just play both, dude. Just just get another entry somewhere. Oh, well, I'm playing single entry. Fine. Go enter it into another single entry. <laughs> random.org. Go type in one or two, whichever comes oh, up. No, don't don't even do that. Don't even do that. Just play both. And the reason to play both is so that you cannot then tilt after the slate and say, "Oh, I should have gone with the other one." Just just play both. Right. Play both. Well, you should also be you also should be learned enough that you wouldn't tilt over that type of thing. Yeah, but that's I mean, yeah, that's one of the pet peeves of the last six months. Okay, doke. So. Hit that like button for James's birthday for crying out loud. Kanehara, poo poo poo. Smash. What does that mean? Like, like, I, I want to look. I'm gonna. I'm gonna open up a new tab. Kanehara, Kanehara. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Kanehara, poo. Yiddish, Yiddish, Yiddish. How do you print Kanehara? Kanehara. 
I don't even know how to how what would you what would you even Anahara? No. Kanahara? No. I have no idea. Kane <laughs> Ain Hara. Okay. The three most important Jewish words. Let me take a look. Oh, it, uh, the, 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 the lit, okay. Ah, uh, okay. Now I know. Okay. Can okay. Cain okay. Ain Hara. It means literally means no evil eye. And it basically functions as like it's like saying knock on wood. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Right. Makes sense. Um, Duck21, you can get coaching sessions. If you go over to paydirtdfs.com, there's there's a coaching link. Sign up for a coaching either with one of the coaches on the site or with me. My schedule is very limited, but um, I, I would, I'm always happy to take on coach clients when I have time. I do coaching. I do group coaching as part of Roto Grinders Premium. Mm-hmm. Wednesday afternoon is our next uh, next coaching session. It's basically just a Zoom call. You could ask me whatever you want. Right, I'm there. You could show me your screen. You could do whatever, whatever you want. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month for that. But I think the best co- the best coaching you could get is just theoryofdfs.com. I agree. Right, I agree. Twenty one hours of audio in total, and Excel tools that both me and James do use. Yeah. Right. That there's not a there are, and are there efficiency tools. Yeah, you get that in Lineup HQ. I don't see. Like you, you do nothing more than what I do. Mm-hmm. I've been profitable in DFS for it's going on eight years now. Yeah. Yep. There's not a also, single thing that I can teach anybody that's not in those courses. Right. Any anything that we'd be saying would be it would be a repeat of what's 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 in this. Right. And then it's just a matter of surviving variance, James. Yep. Right. Yeah. Just play long enough. Just play a lot. Right. My my bet my best baseball seasons. Are ones where I've lost ninety plus percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's what my, it is. My best and worst baseball seasons are seasons. Right, well, they're, they're, right. They're the same thing. Right, right. Like last year's baseball season was my worst baseball season. Yeah, and I got like what 12, 12, 7, I think seventeen top twenties. Just brutal stuff, truly. But it was brutal because the. It doesn't mean anything if you're not coming in like the top three. Right. It doesn't. No. Came in second one out of the 17 times or whatever it was. Came in second once. Every other time was fifth like through eighth, 20th. seventh. Right. Eighth. A lot. Oh, God. Sixth. There, there was like, I remember there was a two week stretch where you placed seventh like three times. I, I, <laughs> I think I, I placed seventh or eighth like three times in one week. And the worst part of that, like, cause, cause I had that, that was me like a week and a half ago. I placed, uh, like, Fifth, seventh, and eleventh in in the one twenty one. Right, you're not gonna be pro- you're not gonna, like that's. It sounds like oh, isn't that great? It's like no, actually, that that like that you're like break even for the season. No, yeah, and you know what happens now is because I didn't place first in those over the last week, where my variance has gone the other way. Like when when you have that, the reason why it's so tilting, the reason why you hear people like me and Jordan say when we get seventh or ninth or whatever, Take we know that we're not gonna run like that forever. Like there's certain portions of the season where if you don't hit your season is probably screwed. You're probably not going to end up having a profitable season. So when Max Scherzer got ejected, I knew that my season is maybe shot right there. It, the, the margins are so thin. Then. But the margins are so thin because of the payout structure, because right. it's like, Oh, well, first place is 20,000 or 50,000. And then seventh place is $350. And right. it's like, Really? Yep. Really? Yep. So hit the smash, smash all the buttons, smash theoryofdfs.com. Go pick, pick for James's birthday. Buy him a copy of his own course, of our own course for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Theoryofdfs.com. Get the, get the, uh, the fundamentals masterclass as well as the, the advanced player's guide. 21 hours of audio in combination as well as uh, the Excel tools, which work for Excel 2021 and beyond yeah. uh yeah and if you have any problems you could always uh email james james at theory of or me send in your questions remember tuesday wednesday thursday the show is guided by your questions right i'll i'll it's not structured like the course 
right? So if you want just explanations of whatever, we skip around, we talk about different subjects. You have questions, I have answers. Email them in, questions at theoryofdfs.com and I'll, I'll answer them because that's what I do here, right? That's what I do here Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 